All right, we're we're live. All right. Hey, welcome back. Another episode of Cloud with a Chance of Code. I don't know. I've got to work on the intro, but... That's fine. That's a good enough intro, man. <laughs> that was a good intro. Uh, Cloud with a Chance of Code. It's kind of funny. Yeah. That's no, great. Great branding. Which, actually, that that's a good segue, I guess. That was... Uh, yeah, the that was one of the um, suggestions I got from using Chat GPT when we were starting this. Oh yeah, that is a funny segue. I was like, "How's this a segue?" Oh yeah, yes, that's how we came up with the name, I guess. So we got that AI branding from the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me what's going on with you in the AI world. Uh, I think you've you're the one who actually kind of um, encouraged me to kind of use some of the tools more. Uh, I had another buddy who was telling me, "Oh, you have to do it. It's game changer." Uh, and I have uh, now kind of uh, flipped to uh, using AI as part of my coding routine now. So but I, I want to know how you kind of do it because uh, I think you use some uh, interesting tools too last time you told, told Yeah, I think, I don't know. I kind of, well, yeah, I tried it out pretty early on when, I guess when Copilot, I don't think I got into like any of the private betas or whatever, but when that was like publicly released, which was, I guess, a while ago now, um, I remember trying it out and it kind of coincided like, well, not that... Not that closely, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, a while back, I made a switch from that work, like from uh, basically to start using Python like every day, um, which I, you know, I like I, I had done some side projects with Python and been following it closely for a while, but wasn't using it like professionally full time and made this jump. And it was just like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I think uh, timing that line up exactly, but. You know, Copilot, I think, was great for that because it's just like, wow, like if you don't know what you're doing, you just start typing like a for loop and it like fixes it for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, syntactical stuff really helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of how I, I, I've used it. I've been using it really is like not I think a lot of the demos you see, you know, someone will like type a comment. They'll like just type in a comment like uh, this function uploads a file to S3 or whatever. And, yep. you know, Copilot will fill it out. But um I don't think I ever really do that. I mostly use it as like a really, really, really smart autocomplete. That just doesn't just, just complete like the word or the function. It completes like, I mean, the whole the whole f- function basically, right? And the other place I found it very, very useful is like in unit tests. Like, especially if you write like one or two unit tests and then just start typing out the name of the next test function, it'll like... I mean, it feels like sometimes it's reading your mind. You know what I mean? Like, and a lot yeah. of it's like somewhat obvious, right? Because it's like the same kind of boilerplate. It's just like, okay, I test that like the thing was found. I test that the idea was not found. I test that it's like, you know, bad or I test that it's like missing data. And so it's not like, you know, rocket science, but that's the thing is I feel like for like kind of boilerplate code, which unit tests usually are, right? It's like, you got to do the setup. You got to do this. You're testing for these cases. Like it just you know, it does 80% of the work for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And what language are you using in? Just so folks I know. What language are you coding with, uh, with uh, basically Copilot or uh, the other kind of AI tools? Like in the AWS uh, space, Python, there's Code Whisper, right? <laughs> yeah, Code Whisper. Yeah, Python and um, and TypeScript. I do a lot of Python and TypeScript at work. And so it's basically both of those. So TypeScript yeah. for the front end, like TypeScript React. And then, and again, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, yeah, the unit test, that's great. And then a lot of just like, I don't know, it's kind of funny, man. It makes you think that like how much boilerplate there still is in software development and like how non-unique like every application is in terms of like, 
you know, this language model like already knows what you're going to do. And it's like usually pretty, pretty right. You know, it's just like how many other developers must have written the exact same code or very similar code is just like kind of, you know, boggles the mind, I guess. I mean, half our job is to copy and paste off of Google results, right? So <laughs> yeah. what we do is we just go on uh, Stack Overflow, find an answer, and then copy and paste and massage that function or whatever you're trying to get to work. Um, yeah. Uh, so half our job is that. So it's like a, an autocomplete that kind of does that with uh, Copilot, essentially, right? Yeah. It's uh, kind of no, interesting. No, for sure. Yeah. No, it's cool. Yeah, and we did. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, we, um, I did try out for a little while... Um, code whisperer because like well you know wanted to try the AWS thing obviously and then also like the GitHub Copilot pricing was a little weird for a while where um, I mean after using it for a little while I like made uh, a screen recording to share with people at work to basically be like hey if you're not using this like Mm -hmm. start using this because it's like that good Um, and uh, you know we wanted to try and get it paid through through our um you know corporate github account but the problem is like yep. it, it was basically impossible to do until very recently um because oh. when they rolled it out it was only available either individually um or for enterprise customers but we're using the team because the enterprise pricing is super expensive um it's like two hundred dollars yeah. oh there's or a, so crazy. there's enterprise there's teams and there's individual now so there's three tiers is that how it works yeah exactly but uh, they did I roll see. it out so it is now available through teams um you can add it in mm-hmm. um and so we did that and they, they there's an option to basically um you know use open source code or not in terms of i guess like what it suggests suggests to you and so we have that turned off because i think people at work are a little i don't know more um conservative i guess (laughs) like in terms of Mm -hmm. like possible uh infringement so we had that turned off um i I don't know if you can do that in the individual license or not or if it if that's um uh when you say turn off so that does that mean you're only um using code that it's from uh public or open source uh friendly licenses is that what you mean by turn off, or do you mean turn off like, oh, I don't care where the code comes from, just make it work? Or just turn no, off? No, I think it's I think it's the closer to the first one. Um, okay, okay, I see. Yeah, or maybe yeah. yeah, maybe it's like not at all. I don't know. I remember like one of the early code whisper demos on the AWS side I saw was like they maybe because they have so many enterprise customers, they were like very thoughtful about this and like yeah, I think they have some feature where it's like if it generates code that looks similar to existing open source code they'll like warn you and be like fyi like this looks re- like really closely to this other thing and it'll tell you what the license is and then you can decide like oh interesting oh, if it's wow. if it's apache maybe it's okay but if it's like gpl mm. then no um so that was yeah. I think, one of the things they were shooting for with code whisper yeah yeah you don't want to trigger that flag or else the lawyers be after you <laughs> right? it's like ah. Oh. i mean at some point my, my previous company to work for we got acquired and with like i wrote some of that type of script that checked every single um library dependency and make sure that basically it was like a, a legit license and and like that was like important as part of like acquisition processing everything i was like dang you know so uh so that's interesting that uh code whisper kind of does that i mean i use code whisper too after you kind of um 
kind of gave me a clue to it. So I was like, okay, let me go try out, you know. And Code Whisper is okay. Uh, it's, it's still kind of in the early stages. Uh, GitHub Copilot is just faster. It's just faster. I think speed is a huge difference, right? So um, that's the thing. But Code Whisper, I think it tries to make up for those type of features, like I guess, you know, license checking. Also, it checks for like... um. AWS credentials, all right? So you don't accidentally leak your credentials and, you know, hard code it like it tells you not to do it, right? Um, but when I was using Code Whisper, I actually had to trigger it by, uh, by the, the keystroke shortcut key in order to kind of kind of get it going because it was just too slow. Um, but yeah, hopefully they kind of make improvements to that. I know for Cloud9, my previous editor, I'm saying previous now, I'm qualifying because uh, AWS Code uh, Whisper uh, supports Cloud9 right out the box, but does not support Copilot because obviously they're competitive, right? Uh, I think... Um, Copilot is uh, GitHub, which is owned by Microsoft now, and uh, AWS Code Whisper is AWS, which is Amazon. So obviously they they, but they should like really open up and kind of just like you know competition is gonna you know make a better product I think eventually. But I, I don't know. That's what I, I when I was playing with it because actually you mentioned I was like oh let me try both you know I'm kind of into this thing now. So yeah I actually um, you know based on your recommendations I changed my editor. I was using Cloud9 I don't use it anymore. Now I'm doing what all the other kids seem to be doing Visual Studio. <laughs> Right, Visual uh, Studio Code, VS Code, yeah, yeah. And uh, the thing that actually I'm happy with VS uh, Studio though is uh, it allows you kind of remote option. So you just have to set up an SSH machine, and then you can actually uh, still uh, have a Linux machine that's actually the um, the underlying machine that uh, VS Code runs on versus Mac. Most people don't do it, don't do it the way I do it, but because I just I do it because it's the internet speed. That, that's the reason. Yeah. So that's why I actually end up doing. Yeah, and I do some um, some kind of tricky things too. I mean, I actually use spot instances for my ID. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna try to save some money. Let me figure out how to do this. So yeah, I actually run spot uh, on VS Code and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. How do you, awesome. wait, how do you really have that glad. set up? Yeah, be, yeah, be cool. yeah. Because I. Um... I, mm-hmm. I, did, I did watch your you have like a, a pretty good YouTube video talking about cloud nine and like why you use it. And oh. uh, I think, <laughs> you know, the, the world. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's like it's I mean, it's pretty compelling. I mean, you know, one of the re- main reasons you mentioned, which is what you just mentioned, is like the, um, you know, for a lot of Docker development, push. it's just like, if yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. If you're pushing Docker images or pulling stuff or pulling dependencies, it's just yeah, like that is so slow them, right? on yeah. the AWS. It's like, yeah. Way faster, so it's yeah, a good sucks. video. Honestly, yeah, people should check it out. I mean, but, I'm waiting um, for um, I'm waiting for what uh, fiber to come to my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's never gonna come. I've lost hope. Okay, so uh, this is the next best option. But like, dude, Cloud Nine is good for internet speed. But now that I'm on Visual Studio and it's kind of like the local, um, you know, application that makes a pretty big difference actually in terms of buggies. Right. So like, you know, no, <laughs> not to you know, uh, uh, rag on uh, the Cloud Nine, but Cloud Nine, I didn't even know what I was kind of missing once until I went to Visual Studio, and I was like, oh, it syncs a lot better now, right? There's still quirks with both editors, but I would say Cloud Nine because it's in a browser is less quirky. And you also mentioned to me that VS Code itself has a um, has an editor that's browser based, right? But it's very limited right. in kind of what it can do. I forgot exactly what the limitations were, but I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, that's not gonna work for me, so. I, I did the SSH box kind of thing and everything. And and also, I think, um, what's the GitHub product? That's uh, Coast Workspaces? Coast Spaces. GitHub Workspaces. Yeah. 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 That's essentially like Visual Studio, you know? And like, yeah. uh, also, I think they also have the same deal where they have a browser version of it, which is better than the VS Code.net one, that the browser yeah. version, and is uh, but not as good as, uh, or maybe, maybe it is on parity with the VS Code too. Um, it seems like basically, like Microsoft owns GitHub, right? So then, they're sharing each other's resources and actually doing something with it, which is good, you know. Yeah, which no, is Microsoft is really good at in a, in a, Microsoft is really good at integration. You know what I mean? It's just like everything works with everything, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah. 
they make it so yeah, easy, mean, right? So that's why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but maybe well, try out yeah, spaces because it's kind of yeah, it seems cool, but having a but close space is expensive, man. That that's why I didn't oh. do it. I remember I, I did the numbers and I was like, and then of course if you're running on demand instances, then maybe like maybe relative to on demand instance, uh, Copilot or no, I'm sorry, workspace is probably like double the cost. But I think you get like a free tier at the very beginning, so then you can kind of do. I mean, <laughs> look at me, like I can't help it. I, I, I was, you know, I, I grew up poor, so, so, so I'm like, okay, let me see how can like how much I can save here, right? So I, I do the spot, right, where I only like pay like twenty to like thirty percent, whatever the on demand. Yeah, you know, to kind of worry about it, and uh, yeah, basically, spot has made it easier because they have persistent volumes now, so the volumes can be persistent with specific instance types, just so you know, okay, but um. Yeah, so that's how you do it. It just basically it shuts down. <laughs> a new one comes up pretty much immediately. Like, you know, I'm okay to get into, like, maybe not everybody is cool with that. But if I get interrupted for five minutes and I save a, a, a ton of money, I'm like, okay, fine. I, yeah. I can handle it, right? And then also it made me kind of build my system more resilient. You know, that's the silver lining. So, like, I have backups on my uh, EBS volumes and everything. Like, everything kind of all set up. So, it's kind of interesting. But, yeah, I hacked it a little bit. And like, But anyway, this back to Copilot. Yeah. So, um, you were mentioning, like, on Copilot. You're using it for uh, TypeScript and you're using it for Python. Uh, Python is very kind of structured, right? There's one way and only one way to do things. So in that sense, you you know, you might be thinking maybe naively when you're first like into like the AI coding space. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a, only the language AI is going to be good at, right? But Node.js, like, dude, it's kind of everywhere, dude, right? It's like free-for-all, <laughs> right? So, so uh, it, it can auto-compete uh, complete with like a free-for-all language too. So it's actually like, it's not just for like structural languages if that's like, I'm guessing, like, you know, if I was introduced to Kobai, that's, like, maybe when you first introduced it to me, like, a month or two ago. And, again, another buddy also told me about it. But I was like, okay, I don't know why I make the time to kind of go do it. Right. But, yeah, it even autocompletes with very loosely typed language. Oh, I guess TypeScript is actually typed, right? So maybe that's why it's a little bit better. Uh, but I've been using it, of course, for Ruby, right? So I'm more of a Rubyist, as you kind of know, by the kind of tools I write. And uh, Ruby, it's um, it's more flexible than something like Python, right? So, it's, but it's not crazy like Perl, right? Like Perl, the joke. I'm gonna repeat the joke. Perl is write-only <laughs> code. You can't read it, right? You, you can't read it. It's just it's it's too free-forming. Like the guy who created Larry Wald was a linguist, right? And and then like Perl, I think six or seven, I don't remember. It's all kind of they they try to upgrade it, and it's like a disaster. Uh, not as um, I think even worse than the Python two to Python three migration, right? But like you know, there's but if you're a Python <laughs> developer or if you're a Perl developer, you, you kind of know the ins and outs already, right? Like, dude, I'm in the Ruby world, so I know the ins and outs of the Ruby two, and the, they mess up too. Like, I, I just like, dude, I feel bad for the core maintainers, right? Those core maintainers are like, dude, I don't know, I can't consider every single permutation of every single possibility in the world of how these guys are going to install this and use this, right? So you, you kind of like, you know, I have to give, you know, you know, you gotta give your heart out to, to these guys, right? And like. Just generally, all of these commercial products, all these kind of enterprise companies, it's like they're they're basically dependent on like one random dude on the internet. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. And then, uh, but anyway, so that's kind of round tangent. Um, but yeah, back to Copilot. So I noticed for me, the way I kind of use Copilot is autocomplete on servers, like the way you do it, right? And then, um, you know, you start typing something instead of having to go Stack Overflow now. You just start typing something, right. even like a comment. And then, like, then it will fill in the code, right? Uh, and with Ruby, again, it's a little more um, dynamic language. You would think, okay, it's not that good. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, um, I actually uh, do things. So you mentioned, oh, I don't, like, necessarily do, like, oh, convert 
you know, um, what was it? Upload a file to S3, right? Uh, right. I, I think actually I do that with, with Copilot. So I do that, but I also do that with chat GDP. So basically sometimes when Copilot doesn't do like kind of what I want, right? Like uh, I needed to do, I'm working on this tool where I need to um, zip some files off the file system uh, using gzip. Um, yeah, gzip. Uh, yeah, and then... Um, and then uh, base64 encode it so I can store uh, basically text, right? Safely as text. So I was like, normally I would stack overflow this or like Google this, right? right? Yeah. But now I, I'm like, let me see what chat GDP can do. So chat GDP like produce something and it wasn't perfect, but then I kind of massage it to kind of get what, I, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. what I need it, which is the exact same thing as stack overflow, right? It was very similar. Yeah. In addition to that, I noticed that uh, Copilot can actually refactor. So what I'm doing is like I write some methods, right, in like a class, yeah. and then I start writing. Then it starts getting a little long. It starts getting like 150 lines, maybe 200 lines. Like oh. I'm like, hmm, and maybe I shouldn't throw all this junk in this one class, right? I know I'm gonna throw this into a class. So I'll create a new file. I'll start typing yeah. the class definition name, and it copies basically the code from my original file to the second file, but it doesn't copy it. It copies it and then makes adjustments to kind of make it fit into a class. Dude, and I was like, whoa, right? So it wrote essentially a whole class for me. But of course, I already wrote it, right? It just basically sees that. So it's kind of like interpreting kind of what you're kind of doing too. So that's kind of interesting. So, yeah. That's a cool but use yeah, case. Sure to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it did some refactoring. So I was like, yeah. And like, I think you start off, like your mind's kind of blown away by it, right? <laughs> I guess maybe it's like IDEs, right? First time you use ID, you're like, oh my God. Why have I been using Vim? Nothing against Vim. I use all the time. I'm really good with Vim, right? Or Emacs, whatever. But like, once you kind of were like, oh my goodness, there's something called IDE. You know, this makes me more efficient, right? And then it's just like, it just depends on your personality too. Some people are like, I feel like, you know, not to rag on uh, Java guys, but they're like sometimes really dependent on their Eclipse IDE. Where like, they're like, how do you actually compile it to like a Linux system? They can't do it, right? You know, ops guys, I have to kind of do that. So so there's always kind of, I guess that, um, uh, that, Hmm. I don't even know that uh, extra thing that you have to be concerned about, whether or not you become too dependent on ID, right? So are we going to become too dependent on Copilot, right? Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah, I know this. My buddy, who is not even like a software developer or engineer or whatever, but uh, he went to engineering school with me. He does like, um, he does um, uh, trademark approvals and stuff like that for the US uh, PSTO, whatever the, the government. And um, he was just like, Oh man, chat DP, man, it's gonna take over the world, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I'm just not as convinced yet. And maybe one day in the future, but right now, it, it doesn't replace the glue, right? Yeah. You, you you can copy and paste from Stack Overflow, but there's still some guy that needs to glue it all together, you know? So it's like, so let's say if you wanted to, like, you know, start a startup, start a company, I'm like, oh, I know, I'm not gonna hire developers. I'm just gonna, like, you know, have chat DP build my uh, startup idea. Good luck with that. You need somebody to glue it, right? So, yeah. so I think it's more like it augments what we do. You, it's here to stay. You have to use it um, if if you want to um, basically uh, continue to be efficient. But I also think it, um, and I saw this on Stack Overflow, I think earlier this morning, it also helps reduce so much boilerplate that it takes away that mental friction that you have to deal with, yeah. particularly with, like, with languages like Python or Node, right? Or React. Dude, React. Dude, I don't even know React. My sister-in-law does uh, React.js for a living. And I was like trying to like tell her about Copilot because I was so excited about the first week. I was like, look at this. I don't know React. I haven't done it like two years. Like I did React a long time ago, but I forget it, right? Like you don't retain yeah, it unless yeah. you practice it. Changed, so I opened yeah. it up. I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to create like to-do class, right? Now I'm like, to-do, do. And I'm like, uh, tab, complete, complete, complete. And she's like, whoa, right? And yeah, so it's 
it's, it's good for certain structured things and helps with syntactical sugar, but you still need a person to glue it, right? Anyway, the, um, the hacker post, the guy was saying like, hey, you know, the good thing about, uh, you know, um, AI with, with coding is it removes so much mental friction that now I could like work on more interesting things and like maybe start like, you know, a website or a business that actually does something of value versus dealing with boilerplate, right? So, um, yeah. So those are my random thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely, I think, still need, that's what, yeah, people are talking about. Is it going to, like, put programmers to work, like you're saying? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know. It's, like, it's it's moving so fast. Maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years, but I think it's it would be a while away. But I think what you said exa- is exactly right in that, like, you need to understand. Like, I was asking Chat GPT for something yesterday, <laughs> and, like, it told me something that was, like, totally wrong. <laughs> it was, like, not right at all. It was, like, yeah, yeah you just do yeah. this. And it was just, like, what are you talking about? Like, that. that's not, you know, it's, like, totally wrong. Um, and so you need to be able to, like, yeah. like recognize that, understand that or, or, or whatever. But, yeah, to me, like, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, it's almost like, you know... Yeah, I mean, I think that's why the co-pilot branding is like so good. It's like you have like like an assistant, yeah, you have like it. some. It's almost like you have a very yeah. small team, and it's just like it's that or like an intern guy from or something. Microsoft Word. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, exactly, no. But it's like you have <laughs> an intern, and you're like, hey, yeah, I need you to refactor yeah. this. Like, here's the code. I want you to like refactor this into a new class, yeah. or like, hey, I need you to figure out how to yeah, like you know, zip and like uh, encode these files, and like, but you yeah. still have to like figure out a what you're doing, <laughs> like b yeah. how it fits together, and then see whether or not the solution is right or not, you know, and yeah, you and, have to fix the uh, edge cases, right? Yeah, but yeah, it fixes a lot of edge cases yeah. for you, yeah. yeah. No, it it does, yeah. And I heard somebody even saying like they did something where they're asking it to basically kind of like ask ChatGPT like, "Hey, write a function that does this," and it did. And they looked at it and they're like, "Well, like, th- does this always work? Or are there edge cases for it?" And ChatGPT was like, "Oh yeah, like there are these edge cases. Like, let me fix it." And so like I don't know, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I mean, that hopefully will just get better and better. But um, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's like you were saying about being dependent on it. I mean, you know, not dependent on it that I couldn't do it if I didn't have to, but like as soon as the copilot it's like a drug started charging, you get depend on it. You I, get addicted. I, I, I pay the ninety nine dollars per year on day one because yep. it's like, yeah, why it's would a you drug? Not? You know, I'm addicted. <laughs> you know, like I have to go use like another computer for client work, and they don't support because their firewall rules copilot. It like it makes the API call and it breaks. I was like, this is horrible. You know, I, I feel like I have handicap. You know, like I'm handicapped now, right? Yeah. So it's no, just once sure. you get used to it, just like once you get to use like an editor or something, right? And you switch yeah. editors, like. Dude, switching from Cloud9 to VS Code took me a while, man. That was painful the first week. It always is, right? But like AI generally seems to elicit some strong opinions. It always seems to elicit strong opinions because people are like, no, it's going to be great. No, it's, you know, it's crap. And so it's just one of those things where it it may be also is because the engineer too, like, you know, typical engineers sometimes have strong opinions because, you know, they're always told they're right, right? (laughs) So you're like, oh, I'm right. (laughs) But wait a minute. My job's going to be replaced, you know? Now, Here's the interesting thing about AI space, AI space in general, not just for like coding, right? Coding, like there's algorithms and stuff like that. But generally, there are definitely industries that are going to be completely affected by it. So the one I'm thinking about right now is actually a clothing, clothing industry, online sh- stores. So uh, they already have basically uh, models that are generated by AI. They just put clothes on the, on, 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 the, on the models. So you can get basically, you know, your all your outfits model for a tenth of the cost, 10 times faster versus higher yeah. model. So that, yeah, that kind of sucks, right? So it just, I think you people have to adapt and people have to kind of adjust. I don't know if that industry can adapt or adjust. Like for coding, I think we're going to adjust because we're just going to use it. It's going to be like a co-pilot, right? It's going to be somebody that, yeah. that helps you, 
right? But um, there's some industries where it definitely kind of affect you. Now, you know, like with airplanes, there's autopilot, right? But you still need a pilot. So it's more like if there's anything that can be taken like an algorithm and then kind of codified, then that is going to be uh, replaced. But if there's something that still requires a human element, uh, you know, like glue, you know, for coding, right? Um, or like even doctors, right? You could doctor, you could have a diagnose a doctor diagnose you. They did some experiment where I think like twenty five doctors compete against an AI machine on to diagnose a patient. The AI machine beat the twenty five doctors. Now that's not going to replace doctors because doctors, you know, are just going to adjust. They're going to have to bring, and I think actually for the greater good, a more human aspect to it. <laughs> yeah. So like, wait a minute, you have to talk to me now. Yeah. So that's kind of a good thing in some ways, right? Of course, yeah. like, uh, uh, you know, there's multiple strong opinions around this. You know, I think uh, Musk is saying, uh, uh, Elon Musk is saying, like, AI's basically destroy the world. <laughs> so, so uh, I don't know. The future is gonna be weird. You know, uh, I just want flying cars because uh, that's what <laughs> I was promised. Back to the future too. You know, but, um, but yeah, I know, some industries funny. are going to be completely displaced by it, you know, and then some are going to adapt and some will be kind of stronger for it. I mean, it's like the industrial revolution, right? The machines made us more productive, efficient, right? No. So, um, and yeah, it, I, mean, I mean, and Elon Musk, like, he's the guy that says AI is going to take over the world, right? But you can't get the self-driving car down yet, right? It's been like five years or something, right? <laughs> Where's the self-driving car, dude? <laughs> it's in beta. <laughs> it's a software upgrade, right? So... But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think the AI label is overused. I mean, it's not. I don't know. It's not really yeah. AI. It's just. It's just. It really. It's just text completion. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but uh, yeah, text yeah. completion on steroids. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I mean, Copilot, like you said, is a great branding. It's a great name. Yeah. Whoever thought about it, like A plus. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I haven't followed this as much, but I think they're they're using that same branding Microsoft for like. I didn't. Even, I didn't even watch any of this stuff. But they, I think they had a, a demo recently. Microsoft did where like um, they're using that same name for Office stuff. So they have like Office AI stuff. So like a Microsoft Word or whatever Keynote. No, that Keynote's the Apple one. What? A, <laughs> but whatever. Excel. You know, it's, I don't know presentations. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember anymore. But yeah, so they're using the um, they're using the Copilot brand for that too, for like having like AI like in their you know Microsoft Word and stuff like that, which is like yeah, I mean it's it's a it, yeah, it's good branding. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. The world has changed. It's like online dating when it first came out. You know, people are like, I'm never gonna use it. It's like, oh, that's the default now, right? Like it's past my time, right? I'm t- I'm old, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, Copilot. No, it, it, it is. Seems like yeah. all the younger kids are gonna be doing it. You got to do it, Larry. You got to do it. <laughs> you already did it. You're the one who introduced me. I have to do it, right? And I do it. I'm like, you know, definitely. I use Copilot all the time now. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, but yeah. I mean, I got to use it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got to use like ChatGPT more, I feel like, because that's good too for some stuff. Like I, I used the other day trying, trying to figure out like, it's like, it's it's just for research. I was just like, hey, I need to do this kind of thing. Like, what are some like, what are the best open source projects that do like X? And it gives you a list of stuff. And you can be like, oh, like, what about like in Python? And it'll tell you like, you know, other stuff. So it's like, I feel like I got to use that more. Like, I don't think about that as much, but um, yeah, I yeah, don't when know. When Copilot I mean, lets me down, I go to uh, Chat GDP, and then Chat GDP will explain it too with a lot of comments and everything. Explain yeah, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know the inputs, outputs, and then comment throughout the code itself. So it's kind of cool. But like, 
I know people are also high school students are using ChatGPT for um, essays, right? So there's some <laughs> yeah. uh, controversy around that too. But then apparently they have a way to detect whether now it's written by Copilot. So you got the AI robots or AI robots, AI robots fighting the AI robots. You know, it's like Skynet. <laughs> so I was like, dang, this is crazy. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like, I didn't know there was a thing that detects whether or not you know your essay was written by Cop, uh, not Copilot, ChatGPT. But apparently there is. I was talking to like another parent about it yeah and uh, i was like oh wow that's really trippy yeah so but yeah it's just um i don't know uh i think it's good at doing the algorithmic stuff right the cookie cutter not not even cookie cutter but like boilerplate stuff right but it's not good the creative side right and and like and for what most people like don't realize this people think engineers okay very structured personality blah 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 right no it requires a lot of creativity what we do right because you gotta walk into the office every single day all right your boss gives you a problem you've never seen before in your life and then you have to go go figure out good luck you're like yeah. you're throwing me in the shark tank again you know <laughs> it's like it's like it's draining mentally you know that's why sometimes no. like at the end of the day, i'm like I, i'm tired and you, you have know? to estimate just, how long like, it's gonna I mean, take <laughs> oh yeah 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 well let, let me just throw a random guess you know let, let's see which way this blade of grass is like blowing today oh yeah yeah and then you double that okay right <laughs> because it's so hard and unless um, i guess maybe we really really specialize in a very niche right it's impossible because software changes too quick. But if you specialize yeah. in this thing, you can maybe get those estimates a little bit more down, right? But uh, yeah, 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 you just kind of have big buffers, right? Um, but fortunately, um, you know, your estimate usually is not better than the other guy's estimate. <laughs> so it's like the no. standard and the bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sorry, product managers, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, geez. Um, maybe ChatGPT to help me with those estimates. But um, yeah, no, it's awesome. No, yeah, I'm excited about that. The creativity, because that's the thing is like, you know, there's, a, there's you know, obviously there's like so much stuff in technology. Like you can only be an expert in so many things or like have used so many things before. And like some stuff like never clicked with me and I never got like good at like as an example, like CSS. Like so I can do basic CSS, but, um, CSS. you know, yeah. But like I feel like now I'm like kind of excited. Just like if I am working on a new thing, maybe I can just get chat gpt or like copilot to like style it for me you know what i mean and it's just like i, I know what i want um but like you know but yeah getting there is has always been like a slog to like yeah stack overflow or whatever and it's like sort of what you want but not exactly what you want and it's like you know finding like an example that you actually like is close enough and you understand and you understand how to modify yeah. uh you know it takes a lot of time so if if i can get those kinds of answers i think that's like super exciting you know yeah, yeah, same here. So, yeah, basically, uh, AI, even though it's bad, maybe a uh, way to ex- you know, express it, it's here to stay, <laughs> right? So get used to it, guys, right? Um, and But it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You can now create user energy on creative, creative activities instead, right? Um, and it helps you get over the plate, essentially. Like, definitely over the plate. Yeah, what have, what have you been working on? Uh, I've been doing a lot of Kubernetes. So I've been doing, like... Um, basically uh, a lot of EKS work lately. Uh, So I'm updating one of the tools I write um, to kind of uh, work a little bit better for what I'm trying to build, trying to build like this kind of product. So I'm improving some of the tooling around there and just kind of makes me, because I've been doing um, a lot of ops work lately, right? And then um, what happens is ops works, it gets kind of mundane sometimes. Like when you're working with Kubernetes, what basically you are, you become a YML engineer. I saw that in like, I think either yeah. Reddit or Stack Overflow or something. It's like, you're not like, you're not writing code, you're writing YML, right? So it's yeah. kind of like those Java guys who used to write XML. So it's just, it gets a little <laughs> mean, Dane, right? And then, um, 
where I kind of have some fun with it is I write some kind of wrapper tooling to kind of make that process a little more um, easier and just more kind of fun. So I, I've been doing uh, a lot of uh, kind of mm, Kubernetes, I guess, development there. Uh, hmm. But that's kind of mainly it. Yeah. That's cool. So it's going to be like UFO for Kubernetes or? Uh... Oh, I already have it. So it's cubes, right? So Qs basically uh, is UFO for Kubernetes. Yeah, but it's so funny you know the mother tool. Yeah. So I wrote a deployment <laughs> tool called UFO, right? And I, I, thought yeah. was, I thought I was so clever with the name. This was like, dude, like it's so, time flies. I think I wrote UFO like six years ago. Okay, UFO space ship is the command to create a deployment package and deploy <laughs> to ECS, okay? And I was like, oh, right. this is such a cool name. I have to have it, all right? Um, so UFO does that. And Cubes is basically the Kubernetes kind of version of that. On the UFO side, there's something on AWS we're called um, Copilot. Is it called Copilot? Is it also called yeah, Copilot? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, yeah, think that's it hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Copilot. Speaking of Copilot, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. On the AWS side, yeah. there's a tool called AWS Copilot. AWS Copilot is kind of interesting. Um, and this is more yeah. AWS stuff, right? But it, it does create like um, kind of multiple stacks and uses kind of some of the nested stack. No, I don't know if it's nested stacks, but stores, it uses this data store SMM param store, which is kind of interesting. So you get like, you know, I kind of mess around these things. I'm like, oh, how does like the innards kind of work? So I go around there and I mess up with SM, you know, prime store, then I break everything. And I'm like, okay, I shouldn't do that, right? Um, so uh, I think they built Copilot mainly kind of uh, handle enterprise customers per usual. That's how Amos kind of usually works. They have to they have to account for the, like a super, super edge case that like 1% of the world uses, right? So uh, when I built UFO, it was actually just a single CloudFormation stack, actually. I mean, I think it's a lot simpler and it supports like, I don't know. You see two instances. But anyway, so I've been doing cubes yeah. and kind of the learnings from like UFO. I kind of ported that, those learnings over to the this cubes tool. And I've been doing that. And it's actually been pretty fun. Like basically, I, I'm going to probably release soon, but I basically have history now. So when you deploy, it keeps track of basically all your deployments. And then you can view the history. You can roll back. You can diff the history yeah. so you can see what YML has changed kind of between different, um, different uh, releases and all that kind of stuff. And I also um, uh, made it kind of GitOps friendly. So uh, apparently I missed the boat on this one. I don't know. Have you done GitOps yet? No. What's that? So GitOps, okay? It's like, think about like a CI, CD pipeline, except more than that. Yeah. So GitOps is basically everything that you want on your infrastructure or your application needs to be checked into a Git repository. And then that Git repository is the source of truth for everything. Okay? Yeah. So that means if you want application, you have to like, you know, commit into your your repo, your infrastructure repo, like uh, some yeah, Kubernetes yeah, yeah. YML files. And then basically uh, a regular CI/CD pipeline would just basically take that, then basically uh, run a pipeline and then deploy to Kubernetes or deploy to ECS or whatever. Okay, but uh, the GitOps, there's actually a a control loop or a reconciliation loop or software that's always constantly running that's actually checking your repository, making sure that if I do anything manually outside of the Git repository, I'm gonna reconcile that. I'm gonna remove that. <laughs> oh wow! So I changed, yeah. So if I change the image name, right? Like I deploy a new image onto like a Kubernetes um, deployment, then uh, it's gonna reconcile that. So it's gonna take no. it away unless you suspend <laughs> the process. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're not allowed to basically. So it, it kind of unifies everything by putting everything into the Git, right? Which more people understand. There's some pros and cons about that though, and there's uh, some different opinions. But it's kind of like actually like AI space. Actually, when you first kind of like learning about it, you. you you know, you fall into the hype and you're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. You know, and then you get infatuated with like this new thing, right? So I, yeah, I've been doing that. I've been doing some GitOps stuff and I'm just like, hmm, now I think I, I think I have a decent idea of how to leverage it. So we'll kind of see, but basically I think it's good for like the last mile of the application deployment 
or maybe yeah. common infrastructure packages that um, make sense to uh, to kind of deploy that way. Yeah. Right. So like, mm, I don't know. Do you do Kubernetes work at all? No, I, 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 I have done some in the past, and I, I. It's funny we have like some people at work that like want to use it because there's some like machine learning stuff that that you know based around it or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, no way! Like it's just too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it is. It I, is. I think ECS ECS is like is is enough for anything that I would want to maintain. You know, because I don't want to spend. Oh, that's right. Because you use CDK operating stuff. Right, right. So you're yeah. With ECS, that's, that's what yeah. I was thinking in terms yeah. of. I, I I I guess it's a little different with like the GitOps strategy, but I mean we've always done that. Like where. No, we, you know, we never change anything too. in the console. Everything is like through CDK, and like the yeah. way you deploy stuff is you like you merge the pull request, and then the CI/CD mm-hmm. pipeline does it. And like confirmation kind of works that way, where like if you made a manual change and you deploy, yeah. confirmation is going to delete that, you know, <laughs> or it's going to like yep, yep. Yeah, roll back whatever, yeah, or exactly. it'll give you an error. Yeah, uh, you yeah know, or it'd but, be like um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to manually resolve it, I guess, but um. Yeah, I actually totally agree with you. So I'm quote unquote a container here, right, for AWS. And so uh, I do both ECS work as well as um, well as Kubernetes work. And uh, Kubernetes is like one of those things where it's so complicated. And, and the people who kind of love it, they just seem to be like, you know, again, people have strong opinions about this, but they just really, really love it. But I would say it's very complex too. But the thing is, you don't have a choice, buddy. You don't have a choice. <laughs> okay, if you want, like, uh, you know, if you want to deploy containers, right, across maybe another cloud aside from AWS, like Google or Azure, oh right, yeah, you don't have a choice, right? So it's kind of like no, a Terraform no, 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 no. thing. The Terraform HCL language, it's 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 like an eyesore, dude. It's 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 actually yeah. difficult. You know, I'm actually pretty good with Terraform HCL now. Like, actually, I have a blog post where like I wrote the blog post because it's like I don't understand HCL. This is driving me nuts. Yeah. So I wrote like a ten yeah. piece article, right? I think five of the ten. Uh, articles was on HCL loops, okay? Because that's how complicated a damn loop is, you know? Because it's like, oh my yeah. goodness, it, it, it's like a loop, but they make it so complicated, right? And um, I think it's just because, you know, it's more configuration and language than than language itself, right? That's why they have yeah. Terraform. But anyway, it's one of those things, again, you probably use Terraform because, again, what choices do you have? I guess you have Plumy, but um, you don't, you don't, you know, eh, you know but um, a lot of people, yeah, you just don't have a choice. So you kind of do Kubernetes. Uh, of course, that being said, once you kind of understand something, right, and you kind of learn it, and you're like, oh, now, like, you know, I, I removed that, like, you know, that knowledge gap. And now, like, okay, I can kind of do it, right? The issue with Kubernetes is it's endless. <laughs> it's yeah. endless YML. It's just like, it, it doesn't stop, right? So, uh, again, I'm, I'm not completely hating on Kubernetes. I actually like a lot of things about Kubernetes also. But I also... Um, I also like if you can do ECS, then just do ECS is a little simpler, right? Yeah, you don't I mean, deal I'm with not, all things. Yeah, right? I'm not yeah. hating on it. I mean, I think like there's like some people love it. Obviously, there's some stuff that's probably great at, but like I don't think there's anything I would never. You know, it's just like I feel like yeah, the complexity that you kind of have there. Like I w- I wouldn't make that trade off just because I don't want to operate stuff. But you know, maybe it's better if you're willing to do the work. But I don't know. I guess I'm not like too lazy. I'm guessing too lazy to do the work. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, people say it's better if, you know, you could learn it, then you have to access the ecosystem. But I will also say this ecosystem is rapidly changing. I wouldn't necessarily say it's unstable, but it's rapidly changing. So all of a sudden, the annotations and the fields you use in your YML files, they've changed, right? Uh, Because most of them are like APAD version beta. Right. And then now they're getting more stable. But then you if you're, you know, your stack overflowing or chat GPing it, right? They're gonna copy and paste stuff that's like three or four years old and then it's not working. Then you have to kind of like go down to like I mean you just once you understand the reference docs and stuff, it's not so bad, but it's still kinda a guess because remember, imagine if all your logic, right, 
for your program that you want to you know code and run has to fit in a YML format. Yeah, you don't have a choice. You know, you don't have conditionals, dude. Okay, it has to fit in YML <laughs> format, right? So as a programmer, you're like, oh man, this is horrible. As you know, operation guy, you're like, maybe that's better because right. it reduces the surface area, right? But the thing is, the hoops I've seen like you know people jump through in order to avoid a little bit coding right yeah. <laughs> like and, and just have to write yml it's like somewhat like crazy you know so um that's where <laughs> kind of i'm at with that uh now again i'm not completely against it i actually again yeah, i actually yeah, love yeah, kubernetes yeah. too kubernetes is actually pretty cool i'm actually building a lot of tooling around that space too right um but yeah 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 um it's one of those things yeah how about you man anything else you've been working on that's kind of cool interesting I've been working on something like pretty cool. Um, just like, uh, you know, if I have like 15, 30 minutes after I get the kids to bed at night, um, uh, called, uh, I'm calling it Pi View. It's basically like, um, you ever, you ever hear Phoenix Live View? Um, yeah. You know, yeah, Phoenix, it's I've like Elixir. It you know, so Elixir, like the way yeah. Live View works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to yeah, hire the it's guy like really cool. Chris Yeah, something. the way that it works, like the, the basic model is like, you know, it's like server-side rendering. But you get this like pretty rich, like kind of like, you know, React view, whatever, like experience on the front end. Mm. There is JavaScript running, but you don't you don't really write it. It just ships as part of Phoenix. But basically on the back end, you do server side rendering and then it sends a fully rendered page to the front end. But then for interactions, those send messages to the back end over WebSockets. And then the server, you know, you do just normal rendering like you would server-side rendering, but then the server component is smart enough to basically send diffs over the WebSocket. And so, like, you can do, like, you know, live validation or, like, you know, partial page updates as if you're doing, like, a React app, but all the state is on the the server. There's no real client sites that you you have to maintain. So, you know, it's a really, really cool model. and yeah, after doing so much with React and like, I don't know, I was just like kind of curious to explore it, but I'm not going to learn Elixir. I mean, it's like, it's a great language again, like, but it's just, you know, it's just a big jump for me. And so I was like, oh, let me try and implement this in uh, Python. So I've been working on that and like, it's, it's, it's getting, it's getting like very close, Oh, cool. Um, but it's been a lot of fun to work on, you know, like just as like, you know, it, I mean, it's got me to like, even, you know, further into like the Python world, which has been fun, but then also like, it's, I don't know, it's been fun writing. I've been writing little toy examples as part of this to like, you know, you know, just to kind of show off the framework. So I've got a bunch of examples and stuff and it's been, it's been really fun kind of writing them again, just like do everything very simple on the server side, but the front end, like it looks as if you have like a, you know, a crazy JavaScript app because it's like, everything is so fast and, um, yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's been that really, reminds really cool. me in the rails world, um, but I'm like the Ruby world of hotwire. Yeah. It used to be. Patrol yeah, links, exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Very, yeah, yeah. very similar. Although I think mm-hmm. the thing with like, and I'm not an expert, but like, I think with like Hotwire, um, you do end up writing the JavaScript part, I think. And, and there's just like a, you know, protocol for like hooking up to the back end. But with Phoenix, yeah. you don't really, I mean, you can interface, like if there's like a JavaScript graphing library or a mapping library, mm-hmm. they have ways to integrate with that. But like for the most part, they made it super generic where like you don't really have to write any front end JavaScript code at all. Like they kind of yeah, handle yeah. the most common things. Um, and so it's really just the backend part that you're writing. So, and they've done like, I think it's just one guy. I think it's like Chris McCord or something, like, but he's done like an amazing yeah, Chris job. Chris McCord, that like, was the last name. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, I think he's done an amazing job with like just the uh, dockyard is where he ended up working on for a while. I don't know where he is, is now. Yeah. I think he might be at but, I don't know at Fly.io. I, I was gonna say. Um, uh, I know okay. they're using like Good they're using him. I think uh, um, like Live View for their stuff. But um, but anyway, yeah, it's, I think it's a really really cool model. I know I'm kind of excited about it. So um, yeah. yeah, I like that too. <laughs> uh, I like uh, I guess I was just saying the amount of hoops that guys jump through so they don't grab the big code, right? Uh, backend developers, right, are avoiding JavaScript front-end, right? Like the plague. It's like, oh, man, I just want to run everything server-side and just have everything bind automatically, blah, 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 right? Yeah. But, uh, I used, well, yeah, I yeah. used uh, Turbolinks and um, Hotwire and everything, and um, I liked it. And then it doesn't cover everything. It covers, like, maybe 70%, 80%, and then you have to use stimulus on yeah. top of that, right? right. Um, you still need to know JavaScript, but, um, but it, again, it removes a lot of... I don't even know if it's boilerplate necessary. Maybe it is. That's a good way to describe it. But it removes a lot of yeah. logic at the right when you just render the whole darn thing and then just basically the framework will glue it back together for you. Right. right um, yeah. But then, yeah, it's uh, yeah, love-hate relationship with that thing, though, because I think if you here's the thing. When you're the author of a tool, you already know how things work. OK, yeah, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. when you're using it from a user perspective, you're just like. Why didn't that bind? You know, why, why did that work? You yeah, kind of yeah, had no yeah, clue, yeah, yeah. right? So it's a little harder, right? So you internalize that. And sometimes, you know, when at least uh, Hotwire first came out, it was kind of like that documentation was like, I wouldn't say it was sparse, but it was like, it was written from the person who wrote it, right? Which makes yeah. sense because you want the person yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But like, you, you know, you have to kind of give, um, you know, uh, a little more leeway, I guess, sometimes. But anyway, I, I figured it out and all that, you know, Watch a bunch of videos yeah. and eventually. So yeah, some of my apps actually run um, hot wiring everything. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I did React for a while too. Yeah. But um, yeah, React is this. I mean, React is cool. I, I like to view a lot too. Um, so um, yeah. But then yeah, it it's kind of yeah. I mean, yeah. there's yeah, there's good things. Yeah, I think the the really the, the complicated part. It's not even like writing the the code, but it kind of it. I mean, because it's just like yeah, like like think about form validation. It's just like we have to write the validation logic on the front end. We have to write it on the back yeah. end too. And so it's like yeah, you're kind yeah, of duplicating yeah. the code. And usually it's like yep, different yep. languages. Unless, but then the, I think the real like the tricky part that is good about <laughs> like jumping through the hoops to not write the front end. It's not even about not writing the front end. It's more about like the the state management because the problem with like these frameworks is you have like front end state that you have to manage yeah. and back end state you that you have to manage. And like keeping them in sync is like really, 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 really hard. I mean, that's where a lot of yeah, bugs yeah. come in, right? And it's like it's really, really hard to avoid that. Um so I think that's like one of the big finances. It's like it really simplifies things to like there's only the server side state. There, there's like front end, you know, view state, but it's not really the same level as something like you know with React or, or you know, you know, that view, expression. But. There are two hard things in programming: uh, names <laughs> and caching. Right? They should say right. a third thing: names, caching, and state. State. State is actually really hard. Right? Whether, regardless of whether yeah. it's a front end, back end state syncing issue, or even like um, an operational state issue, like Terraform state. Right. right? Um, that's why, you know, in some ways I prefer CloudFormation a lot more, uh, because you know, the state is kind of managed for you. Um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, syncing state or just like even deployment. Okay. Something easier to kind of, um, as an analogy, like, uh, stateless web applications, those are easy to deploy, especially in Kubernetes, right? right? Yeah. But a database <laughs> with state. Oh man, you mean I got map EBS volumes to a specific zone and you know it's not mapped by like you know uh the tag selector or label selector, then uh I'm not gonna yeah. get like you know it provision is gonna complain yeah. to me, you know. So that is um yeah, it's 
Uh, state is hard. State is definitely hard. So I, I totally get state that with hard. front end versus back end and managing that state. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's good yeah, to kind of cool. work on some, you know, things on the side and stuff. I try to do it sometimes, you know. I, I try to do it with whatever I'm kind of working on usually. But usually what happens is I'm done with what I'm working on. And then in the after hours, in the middle of the night, I'm like still kind of going away. Or <laughs> lately, early in the morning, you know. And I was like, okay, no, no, it has to be like, you know, it could be better, blah, blah, blah. Right? It's like yeah, almost yeah, like a disease, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's actually not good. No, man, we like, got a bunch of like, good souls. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, know how you keep up but, with all that stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, it's called having no life. Yeah, it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Anyway, I was just looking uh, at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, what are you looking at? I was looking at your uh, the, the bolt apps tools, and I, I don't even. I mean, like I know a bunch of these, but I I don't think I've seen Pipe Dream Pipe Dream yet. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's like uh, basically what um, code pipeline management tool. And uh, I have so I run everything on the edge. So I'm like. When I was actually writing Jets, right? And I was like, oh, this yeah. is how the Rails guys do it. They run everything on the edge. So I know all the quirky tricks for specific for Ruby. And I actually know them for Python now, too, because I've been doing some Python lately. Um, I don't know all of them, though. Uh, but, you know, it takes some time to kind of, like, learn all the late tricks. So then, basically, you have, like, you change the load paths, right? Like, um, Ruby lib or something. Uh, and Python has a similar concept where you change environment to variables and all of a sudden the libraries you're acquiring are not pulling from the system installed libraries, but actually your own local copy. And then you modify on the fly, right? Because interpreted language, right? It's not compiled language. So yeah. I don't have to, you know, deal with complex. I mean, you can do the similar tricks. I did actually did it with Elixir. Uh, I figure out how to, um, I forgot what the Elixir files are called when they're um, compiled. But um, I, I figure out how to, uh, at one point when I was messing around with Elixir, you can go in there, you can compile your own beam file, your beam file, like the early beam file. Uh, and then you could actually compile it and just copy over it. <laughs> and then you would be <laughs> using your code. You just have to find the, where it exists, right? You have to compile it to the yeah, same yeah. architecture and everything, right? So you have to do it on the same machine. So that's how I got like a buggy in there, right? Because that's the thing with compiled languages. Like, I, I can't go in the system and just hack it without compilation. So uh, you basically have to treat it like kind of black box development. Like, you're like, okay, right. the inputs are here, but usually compiled languages, they have static types. So that kind of helps you because you're like, there's only so many permutations you have to deal with, right? With dynamic languages, like, uh, good luck, free for all sometimes, right? Depending on the guy who coded it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're just like, uh, maybe I have to look at the source, but I don't know. I don't, I, I like actually when I'm doing like, you know, Python or Ruby, I go into the, actually the, um, you know, the system paths and I just hack it right thing in there, trying to get it kind of working to understand how you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, things are kind of working, yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, I don't remember what I was talking about, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's interpret languages versus compile languages, depending on what, you know, your brain likes, right? I mean, you're doing yeah, a lot yeah, of Python. Yeah. Python's cool too. I mean, uh, again, Python, again, I, I can't write DSLs as easily as with Python. So I'm always kind of like reaching out. I know, I noticed the Django framework loads as a configuration Python itself, right? So that's kind of interesting. I was trying to, try to figure out how to kind of do that. I was like, oh, that'd be kind of interesting versus using a Tom file, uh, T-O-M-L. You know, that's, I think that usually what people use in the Python world to load configuration files and all that kind of stuff. And actually, I just like this concept, actually, like uh, using like the language itself in order to kind of load configurations, because sometimes that gives you an escape hatch. You shouldn't always use it, but then you can actually call out to the you know, language because you're in the language itself. And you can go like, if development do this, if production do this, right? It's very simple yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that, but sometimes that cleans things up, right? Or else you have duplication on your configuration files, right? Let's say you have like 100 line configuration <laughs> file, one for development, one for production, right? The only thing is one difference in change, right? Well, that'd be nice if I just throw an if statement in there, right? No, I have to duplicate the whole thing. So what do you end up doing? You start generating the files because you're like, I don't have yeah, any other yeah. options, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so, or you just kind of like, you know, 
<laughs> you give up on your anal retentiveness and you're just like, okay, I'm just copy and paste and that's my life. You know? Yeah, that's it. no, it's funny. You know? This reminds me of what yeah, you're just talking about with like the Kubernetes and, and YAML. It's just like, it's like the never ending debate between like, do you want it to be like just runtime configurable or like have a declarative mm-hmm. thing? Yeah, it's because Py- yeah, Python, it's funny, like with their packaging, it used to be for a long time just a free for all. It was like a setup file, and it was just like a, yep, it was a Python yep. code. Do whatever you want, <laughs> you know. Download stuff from the internet, you know, whatever. Like do anything you want, but then that mm-hmm. becomes a pain with toolings. It's just like if you yeah. want to, you know, it, it becomes very complicated. So they've kind of been moving away from that to like having it be more just um, uh, like a YAML yeah. file, or I don't even know. Is if it, it is setup tool still? But. Are they using sub tools to create packages um, still? Because that's why I kind of ran to. I looked into a, a, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I don't do Python as, as much as Ruby, so. Yeah, I don't. It's like mm-hmm. they're moving towards like this. I think. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this is one of those things where there's like there's still a million ways to do it. But there's yeah. like a like a pyproject.toml file, which is like this desire to like yeah make it more oh, declarative, yeah. so that you know just make it easier for for different tools. Um, to do it, you know, yeah. and have you messed around, you know, uh, with the click library yet in Python? Click, oh, yeah, 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 for doing command line, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's a good well, one. Like, yeah. I gravitate yeah. towards I that one right away ago. because, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, I gravitate towards that one right away because, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Thor in the Ruby world, right? Where you just define your CLI, you know, with uh, like just basically methods or functions and then decorators. Um, I think they're called decorators in, in um, in Python, yeah, um, yeah, so Thor kind of does that, except. Uh, it, it actually decorators in Python is a, a, a better built-in concept than Ruby just for what it's worth. Uh, Ruby doesn't have the concept of decorators in the st- same way decorators work in like you define a method above another function or, or you right. declare a line above a function and decorates it that, you know, it changes input output value, like adding caching or something. Uh, with Ruby, you have to actually use a trick that's uh, called um, method added. So as your file gets um, parsed, as a method gets added, uh, a hook fires, a hook in the in the Ruby runtime, and that hook uh, has access to the method and the arguments that you've defined. And then from there, you could, and that's how Thor's implemented actually, and that's how <laughs> that's how actually Jets is implemented too. Yeah, I you know it's a little more complicated. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's actually more complicated in Ruby and Python in that case. Yeah, so yeah, that's actually how I implemented. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. kind of funny. I feel like I feel like we could between the both of us, we could probably make comments about every programming language. We should do like a like a, pr- a languages episode where we make people mad with everyone, like every language. <laughs> yeah, everybody's gonna kind of disagree, right? I mean, I already kind of know where my heart lies in. You know, it's uh, I'm like a Rubyist, so I mean, I mean, and the thing is, okay, like like Copilot, okay, Copilot removes so much boilerplate for you, right? That you're more productive because oh my goodness, I can focus on creative activities, right? That's what Ruby does for me. Removes so yeah, much boilerplate. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. I just. I'm not. I'm not writing uh, pseudo code. I'm writing Ruby. Right. I, I don't right. have. I don't have that second layer of uh, kind of um, processing. Now that's also because I, I do it uh, for such a long time. So I'm wondering if I did that for like these other languages like Python, right? Uh, then or Node. You know, I'll probably get to that level, right? You know, and yeah. then then I'll probably you know feeling a little different too. And I've written npm packages before. I've done that. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> whatever, <I know> for sure. <laughs> whatever gets the job done, I guess. All right, cool, man. Well, you got to run to an appointment, right? So maybe we can wrap up. And, yes, I uh, do. But this has been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, yeah. All right, listeners, thanks for listening. 
I think I set up an email address, like feedback at cccpod.dev. If anyone wants to send feedback, happy to get comments or suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, and we can talk about any subjects if anybody actually uh, lets us know. (laughs) 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 Which is fine. It's just fun hanging out a little bit. Okay. Take a break from your day. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, fun chatting here. What you're working on, and uh, yeah, I'll talk to you. Talk to you soon, I guess. Yep. Yep.